Everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to The Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to The Pastor Study. Some time ago, atheist physicist Stephen Hawking died. His last book came out after his death in which he said, There is no God. No one directs the universe. Heaven is a fairy story for people afraid of the dark. Well, Stephen Hawking now knows whether there's a God. For this program, we're going to study just the very first three verses of the Bible in the beginning, oh yes, there is a God. So would you take out your Bible, <clears throat> turn to Genesis. The word Genesis means birth or origin. Genesis chapter 1. And let's learn all that we can from the first three verses of the Bible. Let's pray. Father, we pray that if there's anyone watching this show that has rejected a belief in God, that somehow you might use this program to bring them to faith in you, Lord. And those of us that are Christian, Lord, we pray that you will just speak to us now about how you made us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God. Notice it doesn't say in the beginning, God and the material world. It doesn't say in the beginning, God and Satan. It's in the beginning, God, period. That points to something called eternal monism, mon meaning one, not eternal dualism, meaning two. Again, first lesson is in the beginning, God singular means only one thing, God, monism, only one thing is eternal, not two things, God and the universe or God and the devil. Because in ancient times, people believed, some people believed in what's called eternal dualism. They thought God was eternal, but so is the material world. Other religions believed God is eternal, but so is the devil. The Bible teaches, no, in the beginning, God, period. There was no material universe. There was no devil. God created everything. And then notice what the next words. In the beginning, <clears throat> God, singular. It doesn't say God, pl God's, plural. It says God, singular, which t teaches monotheism, belief in one God. Judaism, Christianity, and Islam are the three great monotheist religions that believe in only one God. Now, I don't think Christians, Jews, and Muslims believe in the same one God. Christians believe Jesus is God. Muslims don't. Uh, Christians believe in the Trinity. Jews don't. So it's not the same one God, but Muslims, Jews, and Christians believe in one God. Next word, words, and God created the word created there. God made everything out of nothing. There's a Latin phrase called ex nihilo, which means out of nothing, which simply means in the beginning there was God and nothing, and then God created everything out of nothing. So a lady sent me an email, and she said, uh, Dear Pastor Brock, 
Are there such things as aliens, and if so, did God create them, or are they just that, from outer space? What about ghosts? Well, I wrote her back and I said, I don't know if there are aliens or not, but if there are, yes, God created them. Who would have? Are there ghosts? I don't think there are ghosts. I think there are demons and angels. But who created the demons, ultimately? Who created, who created everything? God did, out of nothing. Now, Mormons believe that God is not eternal, that God became God when he was a man on another planet years ago. The Bible never teaches that. So we believe in one God who created all things out of nothing. Next words. And the earth was without form and void. Now, I've heard those words all my life. I don't think I quite understood what they meant till I finally studied. What does it mean that God formed the world and that the world was without form and void? Well, I think it's like this. God is like a construction worker. The construction worker first starts with the raw materials, the wood, the plasterboard, the uh, you know, window glass and whatever, and then he fashions it into a house. I think when it says the world, it's kind of like I make pottery for a hobby. All right, here, here's a, a piece of clay, and from this piece of clay, I can fashion a vase. From the clay, I can fashion, here's one of my bowls. But it doesn't start out fashioned. It starts out as a lump of clay. <laughs> and I think when it says the earth was without form and void, it means that God made the raw materials first. And then out of that form and void, he fashioned them into the universe. So, um, and look at verse 2. It says, And darkness was upon the face of the deep, that's the waters, and the Spirit of God was moving over the face of the waters. Here's the next lesson. This is a big one. You can find the Trinity in the first three verses of the Bible. Follow this. In the beginning, God created. That's God the Father. And the Spirit of God was moving over the waters. That's the Holy Spirit. And God said, let there be light. He said, let there be plants. Said, and we learn in John chapter 1, thousands of years later, that the speaking, the expression of God, the Word of God, is Jesus. You can find the Trinity in the first paragraphs of the Bible. So when the Jehovah's Witnesses come to my door and they say the word Trinity is nowhere in the Bible, therefore tr the Trinity is of the devil, my response is, yes, you're right, the word Trinity is not in the Bible, but the concept of the Trinity, one God and three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, you can find in the first paragraph of the Bible all the way to the end of the book of Revelation. So call it what you want, but there being one God and three eternal persons is in the Bible. Next words. Verse 3. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. The words good there means this. Creation is to be enjoyed. It's good. I saw a bumper sticker. I believe in the Big Bang Theory. God created the world and got a big bang out of it. <laughs> now, some teachers in the early church, false teachers, were saying that the, the material substance, the world, matter, is not good. 
Therefore, you've got to avoid getting married because that has to do with the flesh and matter. And you should avoid certain foods because that's a material thing. The Apostle Paul, who knew better, who knew Genesis chapter 1, that everything God created is good, wrote this then back to the false teachers in 1 Timothy 3, 4. False teachers forbid marriage and abstaining from certain foods, which God has gratefully created to be gratefully shared in by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good. You know, seven times in the first chapter of Genesis, it says, God made this, it was good. Good. It was Seven times it says, it is good. So um, the point is here, the universe is good. Enjoy it. In fact, you know why God made the universe? According to Revelation chapter 4, all things were created for thy pleasure. God made this universe for his pleasure and for our pleasure. So it's okay to enjoy it. I mean, for instance, let's say you're a mom and you love making a good meal for your family. And you love the cooking, you love the process, you really love it when they eat it and enjoy it. What you're doing is you're getting pleasure from God's creation. Let's say you're, you're a dad and you want to add an addition to the house. So you, 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 you start working on this addition to the house and you enjoy it. And then your family gets to enjoy it. And that's part of enjoying the creation of God. So here's my point. Christian brothers and sisters, this week, enjoy creation. Take a walk outside. Look at the sunset. Go outside in the dark and look up at the stars. Eat a steak. <laughs> but God created this whole universe for his enjoyment and for your enjoyment. All right, now, the last part of the sermon, I want to share four things that are true if creation happened. If we did not crawl out of a swamp, a la Charles Darwin, but if God created this universe, Four things result. Number one, there is a design to things. If God created the universe, there is a design to things. I remember once I was sitting on the plane next to a doctor from South Africa. And he finds out I'm a pastor and he says, oh, I became a Christian in medical school. And I said, well, what converted you? He said, when I studied the human body and how intricately and perfectly this thing is designed, I had to conclude there's a designer. <laughs> there's a story of a, a Christian and an atheist are walking along the seashore. And they look down into the sand and here's the stopwatch somebody had dropped. And the atheist goes down, picks it up, it's still ticking. He, he, opens the back, and here's the gears still turning. And the atheist says, look at this watch. Isn't this intricately designed? And the Christian says, oh, I don't think anybody designed that watch. What do you mean? Look at these gears and everything's... No, no, I think uh, after gazillions of years of the water hitting the sand, that watch was formed. And the atheist said, what, are you kidding? That's crazy. And the, the, the Christian said, precisely that's crazy. Look at this infinitely designed, perfectly intricately designed universe. Of course there's a designer. I went to the Adler Planetarium in Chicago years ago. I went to all the, you know, how the world revolves around the sun and if things get off just this much, things are going to explode. And I came out of there marveling at the 
beauty and incredible design of the universe. And as I left, there's a little booth saying, ask an astronomer. So there's a guy sitting there. I go up to him and I said, you know, I'm just curious. Do you think astronomers, there are more or less atheist astronomers than atheists in the general population? And he said, oh, there's a lot more atheist astronomers. I thought, how on earth can you be so blind? <laughs> because of the design of the universe, that points to the fact there is a designer. Second thing, if there's a universe that has a creator, of course, the next implication is there is a purpose to things. Ephesians chapter 1 says, God works all things according to the purpose of his will. So, you know, now and then I'll visit somebody in the hospital or they're, they're in pain or they're real old. And, oh, Pastor Brock, why doesn't the Lord just take me home? Why do I have to stay on earth? And, and I can say to them, honestly, well, there are days I'd love to die and go to heaven. But if you're still breathing, God still has a purpose and a plan to your life. So if you're going through a rough time or you're real old and can't get out of bed, whatever, you can pray. <laughs> God always has a purpose for your life. The, the, the third implication from creation is this. You are a creation of God. God, it took God nine months to make you. You're not a mistake. God created you. You know, I, I will tell you, my mom died uh, some years ago now. But my brother told me that mom said to him, I think when he was a little boy, you know, Mark, you were a mistake. Your dad and I only were planning three children, and then you came along, and, and honestly, he was her favorite, <laughs> much to my chagrin, but Mark, you were a mistake. And I said to him, Mark, mom should never have said that to you. You are not a mistake. Maybe mom and dad didn't plan you. God planned you. So, you know, and everybody is, listen, don't get that abortion. God has created that child in your womb. God has created everyone for a purpose. And the last implication, if there is a creator, he deserves three things from us. Number one, God deserves your thanks. It says in Romans chapter 1, the problem with mankind is that even though we know deep down there's a God, we don't bother to thank him for things. So I want to ask you today, remember to thank God today. I was talking to an 85-year-old man who lost his wife. And I said to him, well, how are you doing adjusting to being a widower? And he said, Every day I have my quiet time with the Lord, and I, I remember to thank Him for my godly parents. I thank Him for my wonderful wife. Thank Him for my children and grandchildren. And he, even though he's kind of hurting, he still is thanking the Lord. And I've said this many times. I'll say it one more time. The best habit I ever developed, I did this years ago, I still do it. Every night before I go to bed, I think back through the day, and I say, thank you, God, for five different things. Do that tonight. So God deserves, if there's a creator, he deserves your thanks because he made you. Thank you, God, that you made me. Second thing God deserves is your trust. Uh, Proverbs 5, 3 says, trust in the Lord with all your hearts and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will bring it to pass. Uh, you know, the problem with us humans is we don't trust God. We trust us, and that's stupid. <laughs> because we got a mind like this, and God's got a mind like this, 
So let's trust him. Remember the story? The atheist falls over the cliff. He's falling down and he grabs onto this branch sticking out of the rock. And he's hanging there and his arms are about to go limp and he's about to die. And he finally looks up. God, if there's a God, anybody up there? If there's anybody up there, help. And he hears a voice from heaven. Let go of the branch, my child, and I shall catch you. And the atheist says, anybody else up there? (laughs) You know, because there's a creator, he deserves your trust. In other words, let go. Stop trying to save yourself. Let Jesus save you on the cross and let him catch you. Trust in Christ for your salvation, not in yourself. And the third thing that God deserves is your obedience. You need to follow the manufacturer's instructions. God created you so he knows how you tick best. Follow the instructions. I bought a halogen lamp. I brought it home from the store. I opened the box. You got to construct the thing. I thought, well, this is easy. I won't look at the instructions. An hour later, I'm going, ouch. Finally, I read the instructions, got the thing together. If you don't follow the manufacturer's instructions, your life will be a mess. Because God knows what, what makes you tick the best. So follow his instructions. Remember this story. I told this on TV a while ago. Back in the 1930s, maybe. A man is driving his Model T down the road, supposedly. I don't know if it's a true story. It's supposed to be, but he's driving his car down the road, has a car problem, pulls over to the side of the road, lifts up the hood, trying to fix the thing. A limousine pulls up. A tall, thin man, nicely dressed, gets out of the car, walks over. Is something wrong, sir? Well, yeah, I can't get my Ford to work here. And and the tall man just looks down, goes like this, try the engine again. Engine started. The man said, why, thank you. And who do I have to thank? What's your name, sir? My name is Henry Ford. (laughs) In other words, God is the one who created us, so he knows what makes us tick best. So follow him. He deserves your obedience. I got this email yesterday. We had a show on the air about how God created the family and how it works best. And... uh, I got this email yesterday from an angry homosexual who didn't like our show. And what did he say? If I can find it, here we go. Tom, I just happened to hear your message of hate regarding homosexuals. I had said that kids need a mom and a dad. They don't need two dads. You have failed as a pastor when you state that homosexual parents are not adequate. How can you say junk like this? You have failed as a pastor, theologian, and compassionate human being. You are a purveyor of hate, not the gospel. I wrote him back. I try to be polite. Dear Paul, on our website you can view programs in which I share my struggle with same-sex attraction. I know the homosexual issue. Personally, I do believe that it is a sin for a man to have sex with a man. I also believe a child does best being raised by a mother and a father. I don't therefore hate homosexuals. And I think you are wrong to accuse me of purveying hate. I strive to love all people and bring them to saving faith in Christ. It is the people who are saying that God is okay with gay gay sex who are really hurting the homosexuals. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Uh, sincerely. Well, he wrote me back. 
You are naive if you don't realize you are providing theological justification for gay persecution. White supremacism, anti-Semitism, Salem witch hunts all have had their Christian cover. That's what you are providing. To demonstrate how cruel your teachings are, grasp this. The suicide rate for LGBTQ teens is four times higher than the general population. Rather than condemn these kids or try to fix them, it's best to affirm how God made them. 3,000-year-old superstition from a book like the Bible is not a good source for 21st century life. Wait a minute. I think drug addicts also have a higher suicide rate than the general population. Do I have to say then that drug addiction is a good thing? And so here's, uh, here's the point I tried to make. I have same-sex attraction. Okay, but the manufacturer's instructions say you do that, you're not going to go to heaven. So I abstain from that. And, and I, I'm still alive. A lot of people my age aren't my age because they died back in the 80s of AIDS. So... Here's the last point I want to make. God deserves your trust, he deserves your praise, and he deserves your obedience because he made you. And, and what he wants you to do is he just wants what's best for you. He doesn't want you to die early. But here is the last point I want to make today. Exalt the supremacy of God in everything. It says in the beginning, God. It means the universe is about him. It's not about you. You know, you know why I don't like what's called the prosperity gospel? That it's, it's all about you become a Christian, God's going to give you more money, you're going to be prosperous, he's going to heal your cancer. It's all me, 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 me. No, no, no. In the beginning, God. It's all about God. I saw a funny cartoon. Here's a man and a woman in a restaurant, and they're holding each other's hands, looking into each other's eyes. And the man says, enough about that. Let's talk about me. <laughs> See, we've got to get over this. Uh, you know, wonder, you do get great things by being a Christian. Amen. But it's ultimately not about us. Exalt the supremacy of God in everything. So the way you spend your money... Spend it for Him. The way you raise your children, raise them for Him. The way you dress, dress for Him. The way you, um, no matter the way you do your job, the way you're in retirement, whatever you're doing, exalt the supremacy of God because all things were created for the glory and pleasure of God. Amen. Welcome to the portion of the pastor study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us his knowledge of scripture and his insights to answer questions we have regarding the Bible, our Lord, and our everyday walk with him. Pastor Brock, in light of your sermon, is it possible to believe that the way God created the universe was actually through evolution? You know, there are Christians who, who try to combine Genesis with evolution and they think yes God created the world but the way he created it was through evolution I'm not saying they're not Christians Jackie but I don't go there um, you know it used to be you couldn't teach evolution in our schools it had to be creation many years ago today you can't teach creation you have to teach evolution and there's an old saying if you repeat a lie long enough everybody believes it well even Darwin said it's the theory of evolution and so I want to quote just Martin Luther. Martin Luther said this about the schools 500 years ago. 
I am much afraid the schools will prove to be the great gates of hell unless they are diligently laboring to explain the Holy Scriptures, engraving them in the hearts of youth. I advise no one to place his child where Scriptures do not reign paramount. Every institution in which men are not increasingly occupied with the Scriptures must become corrupt. That was Luther 500 years ago. Jackie, recently I've been in three different public libraries in the Twin Cities. Each of those libraries had a big display of gay lesbian books aimed at teenagers. Then, Jackie, I've said this before, I'm going to say it again. The Liberal Evangelical Lutheran Church in America had a convention last summer, 31,000 teenagers. This liberal denomination brought out an 11-year-old boy dressed up as a girl who thinks he's a girl to sell transgenderism to the teenagers. Uh, Mona, our, our camera lady over here, before we started rolling, said that she was in a park this week, and here's a parents with a little boy and a little girl. They dressed them both in a dress. I think that's child abuse, Jackie. And, you know, it says in Romans 1 that professing to be wise, people became fools. That's what I think is going on here. We think we're so wise that we're going we're gonna to have, a, not two genders, we're going to have 150 genders and let a little boy be a little girl. It's, it's craziness. So, do you believe that the six days of creation were like 24 hours yeah. each? I mean, Yeah, I'm willing to budge on that a little, and let me tell you why. They use the word day in Genesis chapter 1, on the Bef first day. Before God creates the sun. Okay. So I think it's possible day does not mean 24 literal hours. If you want to believe it's 24 hours, I think that's okay. If you think it's a, a, a portion of time is what it means is meant by day because the sun isn't created yet, I think neither, ver neither belief is wrong or heresy. So I guess the next question I have is, did God actually create the devil? Well... He created everything. The devil did not, the devil was not eternal with the Father. You know, that's what I just thought. Uh, the theory is that God created the angels, and then some of the angels rebelled and became Satan and the demons. I think it's a good theory. It's not super clear in Scripture. The Bible is clear there are fallen angels, but how the devil became the devil is not clearly explained in the Bible, even though some people think a passage about the king of Tyre is talking about the devil, but it's talking about the king of Tyre. So ultimately, yes, God created everything. We only have time for maybe one last question here, and I guess I'm going to kind of combine this. You know, we'll say, do Buddhists and Hindus believe that God created the universe? And I guess along with that, which religions do believe in many gods? You know, Buddhism is more a philosophy than a religion. You can be an atheist and be a Buddhist, but um, Hindus and Buddhists, some of them, they're, they're kind of all over the board, but Buddhists and Hindus believe in many gods. They're polytheists, and so uh, Mormons believe in many gods. Christians, Jews, and Muslims believe in one god. That's the difference. Okay, well, we're out of time, Tom, so thanks for joining us this week. We pray that God would be with you, granting you his richest blessings until we're all together again next time. Thank you for watching The Pastor Study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? 
you may do so at pastorstudy.org. Or write The Pastor Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always. If you've been blessed by The Pastor Study, would you consider a tax-deductible gift to help us reach more people with the good news of Jesus Christ? You can donate at our website, pastorstudy.org, two S's, or mail a check to the Pastor Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota, 55441. May the Lord bless you and have a wonderful week.